1: Everyone, you are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. And Flyers fans, we have some more fun hockey to talk about because your Philadelphia Flyers are 4 0 in the 2014 tournament. They're off to a 1-0 start in the first round. The game was not as pretty. Uh, game one against the Canadians, not as pretty compared to that round robin that Everyone got so used to such dominating performances. But the Flyers are wanting to know they beat the Canadians in game one of their first round playoff series. They win two to one. And I am very excited to be joined by Brooke Destra to talk all about this game one and all that is ahead. Brooke, just your overall thoughts on that game one. What was your biggest takeaway, if I can ask?
0: Well, right off the bat, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be really honest and say that I have not had nerves like that for a game in a very long time. <laughs> and yes, the Flyers have made the playoffs off and on for the past few seasons, but even then they kind of snuck their way in, especially 2017-2018 uh, first round against the Penguins. It was just kind of, all right, Like, right, let's see what they got. Like, they can make out of this this is the first time the Flyers have really made some noise leading into the first round. So I had so much like pain in my chest throughout the whole game, watching it because you wanted them to succeed. So obviously winning that first game is huge for the Flyers just because it's the first playoff series lead that they've had since 2012. Mm -hmm. So right off the bat, I think that that's, that's a pretty good notion moving forward. What about you? How are you feeling?
1: We want to give a quick shout out to Anson Carter with the NHL on NBC for launching Hockey Culture, a multi-platform content series devoted to promoting diversity at all levels of the sport. Head to youtube.com slash culture to watch Anson's interviews with Vegas forward Ryan Reeves and Arizona Coyotes CEO Javier Gutierrez. And be sure to subscribe to keep up with all the hockey culture content that will be released throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. Just people that I've talked to, even just fans, not even people within the organization or anyone like that, but a lot of fans are reaching out to me and just saying, hey, this is really fun. Like, this is for the first time I've been this, this excited about the Flyers probably since 2012, maybe even before that. Um, we're, we've, we've kind of grown accustomed over the last seven seasons to a team that squeaks into the playoffs, Uh, like on game 81 or game 82 of the regular season. And then they're in this really bad first round matchup and you're kind of just hoping for the best. No, this season has expectations. This team has expectations. So I think the nerves uh, is a good thing. I think if, if you're nervous as a fan, I think that's a good thing because you know, you really like this team and you have high hopes for it. So I think that's a positive. Um, And for this game one, I don't think it was the prettiest game. I thought the second period kind of concerned me a bit in terms of how they were outplayed, but Hey, it's the playoffs. You need to grind out wins. It's not going to be pretty. The Canadians aren't going to make it easy uh, as we all know and have heard from Elaine Vigneault and many others. So I think all things considered, the Flyers are four, 0 in this tournament, and they look like the best team in it so far. Uh, Brooke, would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I mean, when you're on a winning streak, it's pretty hard to not confirm it just based off of the numbers alone. But it was interesting to see how the Flyers matched up against the 12th seed as opposed to the other top teams in the East. Because last night actually seemed like more of a challenge for them than the round robin. So it makes you wonder if the other top teams were treating that more as an exhibition, figuring things out. And also Montreal already had the qualifying round under their belt. They already played a series against Pittsburgh. So they came in with a little more drive than I think the Flyers were expecting. And yeah, Flyers pretty much dominated the first half of the first period. But other than that, Canadians kind of really started driving play. And it was a little terrifying at first because Flyers were trying to adjust and it just was, they weren't able to keep up with them. So, But all that matters that they won yes and at the end of the day there's only 15 more wins between them and the thing I'm not going to say because I'm too superstitious <laughs> so that's that's that
1: <laughs> we're, we're going to let uh Flyers fans read between the lines there Brooke and uh just come up with their own answer for that the subtext but uh, I think is there. very clear without actually stating it so good for you good job there um yeah biggest takeaway Brooke if we if if you had to pick one What is your biggest takeaway from this game? Uh, Could be good, bad, in between. What do you think?
0: Uh, First of all, today's birthday boy, Carter Hart.
1: Yeah.
0: um, Flyers would not have won this game Mm -hmm. if it was not for him. He looked calm, cool, collected, poised. And now he's only 22 years old. So maybe another year older and another year wiser will be great for tomorrow's game. (laughs) But, yeah, he really took control over the team and really, really steadied the Flyers' end for majority of this game. So that's a really great takeaway. And it's really just been a goaltending battle back and forth because Carey Price was on top of his game too. Flyers were just lucky and set up some really, really great plays, some great screens in front of him that allowed them to get the edge. But um, on top of that, There was a little bit of a downside to Matt Niskanen's game, which was throwing me off because leading into the first series, there was a lot of talk about, okay, he's the only player on both teams that have a Stanley Cup. He's got so much playoff experience. And then he was doing a lot of no-nos in the neutral zone. He's
1: not (laughs) like
0: it. was giving Canadians odd man rushes and it just, it wasn't, Really ideal. So I'm hoping that was just, you know, getting like the bumps out of the road early on. But that's probably my biggest positive and my biggest negative from yesterday's game.
1: I'm glad you gave both. And I, I noticed the same thing with Matt Niskanen. And the one thing I think should make everyone feel better, um, in my opinion, is that there were times during the season where Matt Niskanen would have like, I guess. You know, hey, they call him Steady Eddie. Like, that's how Mm -hmm. consistent he is. The team calls him Steady Eddie because you know what you're getting from him every single game. And he really was that consistent. There was here and there um, almost like an anomaly where he would have a game where he just did not look like himself. And maybe he made a few questionable plays. Maybe he got beat um, one play. And you kind of say to yourself, like, wow, that is not Matt Niskanen. Then he will come back and have like a stretch of 10 straight games where uh, he's very steady and himself. So I think we'll, we'll look for that from Matt Niskanen because, yeah, I don't think he had the best game one for a guy that you're really expecting to kind of lead the way. Like you said, Brooke, he's the only one in this series with a Stanley Cup ring uh, that he can wear on his fingers. So my biggest takeaway, too, was Carter Hart. And to me, it's a sign of a team that's a contender. A really, I think the best team's – have balance and they can win different ways. And we've seen, I didn't think Carter Hart would have to be perfect in these playoffs. I didn't think he was going to be a guy that would take them from the first round all the way to the cup and like have everyone kind of ride his shoulders. Cause I think we've seen during the regular season, there's been times where Carter Hart just had to be solid, just solid limit the shots he sees, um, help them in the first period. And then the flyers go out and score three or four goals and they win. Comfortably, we saw it in the round robin. Um, Carter Hart was very good, but the Flyers—they make the life easier on their goalie. But I think the really great teams—they make life easier on their goalie, and then the goalie also makes life easier on them at times. And I think Carter Hart really showed that side of the coin uh, by really winning them that game. Yeah, I, I thought he won them that game. Um, there was times where it got really dicey, and he made some huge saves. Uh, for him to out-duel Carey Price in game one, really his first, quote-unquote, real playoff game, uh, I thought it was a pretty cool storyline. Brooke, Carey Price, kind of all over the place. Angry, was not a happy camper. He's hitting guys. Um, I thought one thing that's, you know, really stood out to me that I think is going to be uh, the case the rest of the series is that he does not like to be bumped, touch, obstructed. Uh, don't go any- near him. <laughs> And I think the Flyers (laughs) saw that and they're going to go near him a lot more. What do you think?
0: Oh my gosh. I mean, I've I've been watching Carey Price basically since I started watching hockey, the sport, for years now. And he did not like it when anybody was in the crease Mm -hmm. at all. It was like way invasion of space. And he was getting, you know, he was shoving. He was getting people out of the way. And then the huge debacle with Derek Grant flinging into the net based from a Canadian and Price starts swinging at Grant while he's trapped in the net. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that, especially because, well, one, I really hope Price wound up watching the replay after the game and being like, ah, oh, crap, I completely handled that the wrong way. Um, and then I was cracking up because you see this poised, like, incredible goaltender of the decade, like one of the best to ever play the sport, given a why I ought yeah. to, Derek Grant. while well, he's literally like trying to get himself out of the net. So I just thought that that was a really hysterical moment. I think my jaw hit the floor. I really wasn't sure how to react to that. But overall, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting to see that side of Carey Price. Maybe it's just him getting a lot of frustrations out. I mean, Canadians really haven't had much luck in the postseason in recent years. So maybe he's just maybe trying to give that edge to the team that, you know, give him an extra little push. But clearly I, it didn't work out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just like, it was just so funny because like Derek Grant, if anyone knows Derek Grant, like he's just an honest, hardworking player. He has no track record or history, history of kind of like being dirty or maybe trying to stir the pot. Um, he's just making a very hard play to the net that any coach would uh, praise and be happy about. Um, and he gets shoved into carry Price. And I think you could see how surprised Derek Grant was. Like, Grant's laying in the net. He's looking up at Price, basically as, basically saying with his facial expression, like, hey, my bad. Like, I, you know, yeah. are you okay? I want to make sure this is, situation is... And Price just basically goes off on him. Like, flinches at him and, and then at that point I think Grant got mad at that point Grant was like yo are you serious Yeah,
0: there's only so much you can do
1: right Grant's laying there and he's basically saying hey you my fault like honest play I hope everything's all right and then Price just does not hold you know hold back and I think that's when Grant got mad and was like are you like this cannot be real um you know why are you yelling at me when your own guy pushed me into the net so I'm with you bro I don't know if this is Carey Price like I've always heard and watched him as this poised calm under control guy but from what I've heard and what I'm starting to see is that he will show his emotions he will get frustrated if if you frustrate him whether that be obstructing his views um maybe bumping into him uh like you said invading his space um I don't know if that's good for Carry Price if it's like a motivational thing and then all of a sudden you're dealing with a monster who's going to be pissed off or it could Maybe it's a good thing that they're really kind of getting under his skin, and maybe that does throw off a calm, poised goalie. I guess we're going to see how it plays out this series, but I loved what the Flyers did on that first power play.
0: Oh, yeah. That Jacob was probably Borchick. one of my favorite yeah. entire runs of the game, for sure.
1: Absolutely. You're so used to seeing Jacob Borček, a skilled puck mover, um, around one of the circles where he's you know making a play from a different angle. Hey, the Flyers said, hey, go – We're going to double screen this guy. Let's get in front of that net. Let's use those big bodies. And Jacob Voracek, stick-tap to him, uh, a guy that had no problem going in front of that net. Carey Price is kind of cross-checking him in the back, um, saying, get out of my way. And Voracek stood there and really created that goal by impeding Price's vision. I thought that was a good tone-setting play. Um, I think they need to continue to do that, Brooke, with Carey Price.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean – that's the best way to take down a beast, a monster, you know, is get rid of their vision. It it gives the opponent the immediate edge. So if, if screens are working, that's probably the way to go. And I mean, that was also the first power play goal for the flyers since they've entered the bubble, which was a great motive as well. Granted, they had a few toward the end power play chances, but and they're still, I guess they're still trying to figure things out. They were really having trouble setting up in the offensive zone. But overall, I mean, they finally broke the ice. They scored in the first period. They scored a power play goal. So that's at least something that they can build off of moving
1: forward. Absolutely. And it's with the power play. I think they're in a bit of a state of they're not sure if they want to keep it simple or they want to try different looks. I know Michelle Terrien had said, and what we started to see this year was that when the power play becomes predictable they didn't like that They didn't like when the looks and the setup were were just the same all the time whereas if you can create movement and try different changes it makes it tougher on the penalty kill and we saw success with that but then at the same time when you're in a bit of a funk with the power play you might not want to be trying a thousand looks and you might want to just say hey let's just do something very basic let's do what we're used to and let's see if we can and kind of uh break the dam so to speak so I think they're kind of in that middle, that middle period where they're not sure exactly how to go about it. But uh, I thought it was a real positive, Brooke, like you said, to get that first one out of the way. At least they have one, and they can build off of that.
0: Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help.
1: Brooke, you mentioned concerns earlier in this episode. Let's touch on that a little bit more. That second period obviously was a bit troublesome. Montreal really took it to them. Um, I thought the Flyers kind of got a taste of their own medicine. A team that – the Flyers are a team that obviously wants to wear down the opposition with how they play. And the second period is typically when they really kind of get their wheels going and uh, they start wearing down the opponent. It was the opposite. Montreal came at them hard and uh, really won that period despite it being 1-1 in that period. The Flyers took a 2-1 lead at second intermission. But I think anyone who was watching that game, their sets of eyes would tell them Montreal won that period. How concerning was it to you, or do you think it's just one bad period from the Flyers?
0: I mean, I do think that that was – the second period was probably the worst period the Flyers have played since they started the round robin and now the first round of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. It really threw you off guard, and like you had mentioned, the Flyers really got a taste of their own medicine. They just could not keep up with the pace of the game that Montreal was playing. And they tired the Flyers down. Flyers kept icing the puck. They had tired players on the ice for such a long period of time. Time after time, shift after shift. And it was like, it felt like they were almost just trudging along to be like, all right, let's just get to the intermission. Let's get to the intermission. Let's regroup. Let's figure things out. And that's never the game that you want to see from a team that wants to contend. You know, they want to be able to drive force. They want to be able to take control whenever they you know, kind of lose sight of things and it really kind of threw a loop that even though the Canadians are a 12th seed, again, you have to remember, I mentioned this on the last episode as well, there's a reason Montreal beat Pittsburgh. Yeah, And that second period was a clear indication of why, because they kept pushing, they're not afraid to shoot. Like I said, thank goodness for Carter Hart because they could have easily had three goals in that second period. And Luckily, they didn't, and that's what the reason they won the game. So is it concerning in the long run? I don't think so. I think, um, again, since it's now a series, they're going to be able to reassess and see how they can change their game moving forward for Friday afternoon's game. But, yeah, it's just it's seeing how well they adapt to it in the second game. And, I mean, even when the Flyers have played their worst, they still won so that's also an indication of the Flyers team that Montreal's going up against. It's going to be a tough battle.
1: Yeah, Sean Couturier said at post-game that, you know, he wasn't too concerned. A guy that obviously is a 200-foot player who prides himself in being complete and not having many flaws, he even admitted, hey, we were not great in that second period, but that's hockey. Like, momentum, it's the playoffs, momentum uh, constantly will swing back and forth. You're going to have a bad period, and then you might have a dominating period the next he said it's very common, and uh, he's like, we did not have a good period, and, uh, but the good thing is we came out in the third period and kind of changed the, the tide a bit. So part of me says, hey, that's, that's very true. The Flyers are not going to be perfect. They're not going to play complete games all the time. The key is just winning two of those three periods or just making the, the plays when you have to that are going to win you the game. Uh, but at the same time, I, I do think it was a bit of a mini wake-up call for them in terms of how Montreal does play. Alain Vigneault said it so many times leading up to the series. In all their film study of Montreal, he said two things that really stuck out was how incredibly hard they work and how fast they are. And I think they really saw that in that second period. Sometimes you can watch it on film and know it's coming, but you don't really experience it until you experience it. I think they saw that. Montreal, very early in that period, kind of pinned them down their zone. And they, I think they had like three failed – clear attempts, and it just tired everyone. It tired that group on the ice, and then I think it had a trickle-down effect the rest of the period where they just were kind of behind the play the entire time. But, hey, they made some timely saves from Carter Hart. He had 16 in that second period. He was huge. And then, Brooke, Joel Farabee, what a heads-up play. Uh, Montreal scores. Shea Weber scores to make it 1-1. 16 seconds later, Farabee makes a heads-up play. He does exactly what we've been saying. He goes to the net. He bothers Carey Price with his presence, deflects the puck, then hits home the rebound. And what do you know? Everything's okay again. Flyers are up 2-1. Uh, such a such a timely play. What do you like about Faraby? And do you like him on that first line? Do you think that's going to change anytime soon?
0: Let me start off by saying that 16 seconds was the most stressful <laughs> 16 seconds of the game aside from the last minute and a half.
1: Because, bro, they really looked, <laughs> It really looked like the Canadians had taken control of that game. Exactly. Like it, it, and it, you really thought the Flyers are losing control of this game at a critical juncture.
0: Yeah, so obviously there's a lot of fear setting in. It was like, all right, the first, like, ball dropped. Uh-huh. And that was the first goal that was kind of – you had this fear that, okay, the Canadians were about to open up the floodgates. Yep. Like, this is what – like, the Flyers have been trying to – Stay away from the entire second period and then obviously they score. Thank goodness for Joel Farabee. I think him getting time on the top line is a huge boost of his confidence. I think he knows that if he's getting this opportunity to play alongside Giroux and Gatorier, that he obviously has the skill set and mindset to compete against the top lines in the league. So and I mean it it was just a great self-awareness play yeah. for Farabee because, like you said, he deflected it off of Price's pad and then snagged the rebound real fast and tapped it in like it was nothing. And as a rookie, you know, when you're watching the replay, it seems like, all right, like that's a great, simple play. But in reality, in the moment when you're playing against one of the best goaltenders in the league, you never know how you're going to react to that. I mean, it was clear. We thought Scott Lawton had a clear goal as well and then price somehow got the edge of a stick on that puck and deflected it which is i'm still in awe about that goal it was phenomenal it's probably the best save of the first round so far across all teams
1: yeah
0: um so you know what price is capable of so right off the bat it seems like an easy goal but for a rookie to be doing that against Carey Price on the top line, first playoff game, you know, a lot of things add up to it. And Faraby really handled that extremely well. So is he going to stay on the top line? I'm not really sure, but I think it's doing wonders for his confidence. Um, and, yeah, it's just going forward, you know, what – I don't know. I'm just really, I'm really impressed with how the younger guys have been playing and we haven't even touched on, you know, defensive end with like Phil Myers and Travis Sandheim yet who have also insanely impressed me so far. So I I like therapy on the first line.
1: It's such a smart play and for a 20 year old. And, you know, I've heard from so many people from Chuck Fletcher, the general manager from assistant general manager, Brent Flair, from Elaine Vigneault, from the assistant coaches, uh, from Joel Farabee's coach um, at the U.S. Development Program about how smart this kid is and uh, he, the way he plays without the puck. He's not like your typical scorer or bust young player. There's obviously a ton of skill there and a guy that can score, but he really is just a smart, smart, smart kid who knows situations, time and space. And that was case in point of all that we've heard about him. Uh, the team just allows the game-tying goal. He doesn't go out there and try to do too much. He just makes a heady play by going to the net and just expecting to maybe see a puck come his way. And If it does, he's going to try to do something with it. And, man, that was the play of the game, in my opinion. There was huge saves, but that totally kind of quelled the momentum for Montreal that they looked like they were going to kind of seize control, and Faraby quickly, boom, said, nope, Flyers are back up 2-1 and back, kind of uh steadying the waters uh, a bit so yeah what a crazy play and brook it's it's funny right now we would say that line looks untouchable like hey first line very good fair be nice. Couturier, we know he's the guy and drew of course but things change it's the playoffs you can like what you think is pristine and can't be touched can totally change the next game if something doesn't go your way so Playoffs are a game-to-game business. Things will change. Coaches will make adjustments. Um, other, we're going to hit on the defense. You just talked about it. Man, Philip Myers, Travis Sainheim have been so good in these playoffs. Everyone was kind of talking about their lack of experience and being young and how would they handle it. I think they've handled it very, very well. I don't think we've seen many flaws in their game, but we did see a change in this game one lineup. Shane Gossespierre came into the lineup, uh, and Robert Heg was the extra seventh defenseman. Uh, as we know, towards the end of the regular season, the Flyers really pushed forward with the same D pairs as Shane Gossespierre suffered from knee injuries. They really moved forward and played well with the pairs of Matt Niskanen, Ivan Provorov, Philip Myers, Travis Sandheim, Justin Braun, Robert Haig. But Gossespierre impressed so, so much in his round-robin game, in his exhibition game, that he got that game-one call. Brooke, what did you think of his game? Uh, did you like the decision by Lane Vigneault?
0: I'm very, very happy for Shane Goss's fair, yeah, because I just feel like nobody has ever really given him the benefit of the doubt since he's had a few seasons that are uh, consecutive seasons that have kind of not really hit the mark for flyers' fans for expectations, so him coming back being fully healthy and rightfully earning that sixth spot, that last pair, you know. You just have to feel a sense of joy for somebody who does work so hard. He does so much for Philadelphia and the team and the organization as a whole. So those guys, they're easy to root for. But, and it's, it's not a knock to Robert Haig at all. It's no. just, gosh, despair really proved that he was ready to take on that role again. And leading up to it with the huge... Hiatus, the break. I don't think things would have been the same if he was ready for the playoffs back in April, May, if he ever recovered in time to play. Um, but it was just, it was, it was a really great first effort, first game that mattered. Obviously, he impressed really well against um, in the round robin tournament, but. Again, you, just, you really want to see him doing well, and maybe eventually he'll get more time on top power play if they're going to mess around with things, because you know that is where he excels right from the point. But we'll see. We'll see. But he's earned that spot, but now it's him moving forward and making sure he keeps it, which is important. Because like you said, you never know what's going to be expected between the, f- the current game and then the following one.
1: Yeah, I think Robert Hague is going to be right there in the picture. Um, It truly is a game-to-game thing with Elaine Vigneault. If he doesn't like what he sees, he's going to adjust. Like, he's not going to mess around. Like, he knows how the playoffs work. Um, Now is not the time to uh, have patience as a virtue. Like, you have to make adjustments. If someone's not stepping up to the plate and looking comfortable and making plays and doing what they have to, he will go to the next person and say, hey, we need more – from you if you want to get back in the lineup, So I think Robert Hayes is going to be right there and he's going to be ready to go if the Flyers need a, you know, a change of pace or a change of game plan. But think about Shane Gossespierre, when he's at his best and he's doing what he did against the Lightning in that final round robin game, you know, he made that game a 2-1 game to a 4-1 game with two really impressive offensive plays. It's tough to sit that. It's tough to sit a guy that has that type of ability, that game-changing ability uh, with those plays. And I think Elaine Vigneault saw enough. He saw enough that this guy is healthy, and when he's confident like that, he can really take us to a different level. Uh, playing on a third pair, you just don't, you don't see that ability a ton on a third pair. So I think he sees it as a luxury. If he can get that as Shane Goss's pair from a third pair defenseman, uh, that's pretty darn good. But I don't think Goss's pair had the best game. Uh, I thought he was a little shaky in the second period, but I think everyone was too. So yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm not just going to put that on him. So I don't think he did enough to be taken out of the lineup. I think he did enough to stay in. Um, But we shall see. It's going to be an interesting decision moving forward. And they'll have more decisions moving forward. Like we said, with who's in the lineup, uh, if Michael Raffle, who is out with an undisclosed injury, when he comes back or if he comes back, um, what do they do then with the forwards? Uh, And then on defense, obviously, they have seven capable defensemen. So uh, Vino has some good decisions to make, but – so far, so good. The Flyers are 4 0 Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. Brooke, uh, anything you're looking for in Game Two, Game Two is Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, we are excited for it. Can this team continue to stay perfect? Brooke, it's, it, it was funny because it kind of hit me after that Game One win that wow they're 4-0 in the tournament. Uh yeah. you know let's not forget those round robin games. Uh they so far are perfect. It's a pretty good run so far by this team.
0: Yeah, I mean eventually, you know, you have to keep in mind that you know not everything's perfect. It is hockey like you mentioned Sean Katori said following the game. That's just how it goes sometimes. You can have a great period followed by a terrible period of play. So do I think that the Flyers are never going to lose a game? <laughs> no, that's absolutely ridiculous. If anybody's thinking that way, please get off your high horse. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's the reality of it all. And the thing is, in previous years and previous series, if they've lost a game, it was kind of like, all right, you felt a sense of defeat. It was like, all right, just get the series over with. Yep. It's different this time. And you know it, you can feel it, the team feels it as well. If the Flyers do wind up losing a game or two against the Canadians, it's one, it's not gonna be consecutive because I just can't believe that the talent severely outweighs the Canadians and the Flyers are going to go full force coming back from a loss. But there's still that sense of optimism, the sense of knowingness that you're going to be able to bounce back from a loss. It's not hang your head, okay, what, what we did wrong, like, woe is me. They know for a fact that moving forward, here's what we're going to have to change. We're going to swap this out. We're going to adjust these lines. And they'll still gain control of the series. So a single loss, it's going to suck at first because it's going to hit everybody and smack them back to reality. But it's not something to be of concern with. Just I think,
1: yet. Yes, I think that's a good precedent to set because I, I think we got spoiled a little bit. We got spoiled a little bit given how well they have played, how they ran through the round robin. There was very little hiccups and we see one bad period where they get outworked and everyone is sincerely worried. And I think that's a sign that, yeah, you know what, we got spoiled a little bit because we're so used to seeing this team play period after period and look like the better team. Uh, I think that's one exciting and I think, too, it's a reminder that they're not going to be perfect. And you forget that they have not lost consecutive hockey games since January 8th. Um, obviously, I know it's including a long pause, but uh, that was a no, huge, that's stretch, of, that's yeah, was a huge stretch of games. Yeah, that was a huge stretch of games where they could not – Yeah. And I think that, um, that that certainly, I think, holds importance in the playoffs right now. Uh, for when they do lose a game, remember that this team has really shown positive signs in bouncing back and responding. So – uh, don't freak out if they lose a the game, Flyers fans. Uh, it won't be the end of the world, probably, depending on the game. Uh, <laughs> yes,
0: depending on the game.
1: <laughs> but Brooke, you you hit the nail on the head there. Um, this team will not be perfect. We saw that in the second period, but it's all about how they respond. And I thought they responded well in that third period. And uh, game one game won. So far, so good for them. Carter Hart looks great. And they are 1-0 in this first round series. Uh, and Brooke Destro, we got to talk to you again. And that is awesome as well. So, Thank you so much for joining us, Brooke. And we hope to have you on uh, soon, very, very soon again for another uh, Flyers Talk podcast.
0: Of course. Always happy to be on. And I mean, like, I I feel like I've been signing off the same way the past few times. (laughs) We've had some great hockey to talk about, which makes this job way more fun. (laughs) But I mean, listen, you, you know, I'm probably one of the most optimistic Flyers people out there. You always want to give them the benefit of the doubt um just making sure everyone knows like l- don't let reality hit you like that loss is going to come eventually so if i'm mentally prepared and stable for it i'm i can guarantee everyone else should be okay too so Keep trucking, Flyers fans. We got this. <laughs>
1: Every, Brooke Desher, there we go. I know. I'm thinking to myself, if they win game two, uh, I think Flyers fans will be pretty comfortable for that next loss. But if they lose game two, I have a feeling there's going to be a little bit of panic given that the series will be tied. But uh, Brooke Desher, thank you so much as always. Uh, everyone listening, catch out catch Brooke's work on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com throughout the playoffs. Uh, a special thank you as well to Ben Barry, our podcast producer. Thank this you, is ben. the latest – flyers talk podcast wherever you get your podcast fans please rate and subscribe and we cannot wait to talk to you next time